hello, hello, my loves, and welcome back to another episode of the Healed and Healthy Podcast. I'm so happy you're here. It's your girl, Liz. I, as many of you know, I made a New Year's resolution about being more open about my spiritual journey and my story with spirituality. And a lot of my story of my trauma is incredibly interwoven through my spiritual experiences. And I have felt a lot of resistance in opening up about it. And I know for a fact that there are so many other people who need to hear this story and so many people who can be empowered by my story. It makes it incredibly difficult to want to tell this story. However, there's a lot of things that I've never publicly shared about this story. And I'm feeling a little anxious about that now. But part of my New Year's resolution was to be more open and honest about my story and my experiences. With that being said, welcome to this episode of the Healed and Healthy Podcast. And we'll jump right on in. I'm really not sure where to start with this episode. It's one of those things where in order to understand where my spiritual journey is now, you need to understand the spiritual world that I grew up in. I grew up in an incredibly strict, incredibly closed community that was centered around religion. I personally am going to make a point to not mention the name of this organization because I want to protect the privacy of those people because in my heart, I still love them. They were kind. A lot of those people that I had the fortune of knowing are some of the kindest and most gentle souls in this world. They just happen to subscribe to a very rigid set of beliefs that created a rift later on in life. So I'm really not sure where to start this, you guys. And it's a very hard story for me to tell. Uh, It begins with my mom. She is the person who initially came in contact with this religious organization she was struggling, very seriously struggling. And this this particular group of people offered her hope. And she felt like she could believe in that. And as many of you know, when your parents believe something and want you to be raised a certain way, that's all you know. That's where you grow up. So I grew up in a household that was very isolated from the world in that 
we particularly isolated ourselves from the world around us. We made ourselves different than the world around us, being that we didn't celebrate birthdays, we didn't celebrate holidays, you know, Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving, Halloween, Valentine's Day. We, I should stop saying we, because I am no longer a part of this organization. That organization and individuals who subscribe to their belief system do not celebrate birthdays, do not celebrate Christmas. Those people do not celebrate secular holidays. Nor does that group of people believe in voting for any election. So naturally, that group of people isolates themselves from the majority of the world around them. That teaching being that the world around us is corrupt, humans are corrupt, and by distancing themselves from the worldly views and the worldly religion, or holidays, excuse me, and the worldly mindset, that group of people could be more focused on the teachings of God and of Jesus, and they could be more focused on being the best member of this religion they could be. I feel like I need to also mention that this is technically considered a branch of Christianity, and this was a very a very hard thing for me to talk about because I grew up with this. This is my normal. This was my normal. It's not is my normal anymore. This was my normal. And because it was my normal, I became accustomed to feeling isolated from my friends at school. I became accustomed to being a loner. And not having many close friends outside of the religious organization. (sighs) The reason this is hard is because this particular organization chooses to handle all of its members' affairs internally. Meaning, if your husband is abusing you, you should talk to the elders of the congregation. And they'll determine if, you know, your husband is repentant or not. And if he repents for his sins, everything is fine. Because the only lawful grounds for divorce is adultery. If your parents are abusive, it was better (laughs) to live with that than it was to potentially get separated from your family and live in a quote-unquote non-believer's household where you could be exposed to all the worldly temptation. You can already see how this is incredibly isolating. These experiences isolated myself and my sister from what 
we, what we believed was a normal childhood. And part of the other reason we didn't have a normal childhood that I now learned to, I'm sorry, I had to take a break from recording because I was about to cry. Something that I learned later on in life was that the abuse that I suffered, all of the adults around me knew about. All of the adults who you'd think would want to help support two small girls who just lost their mother who, you know, needed positive adult figures, actively knew about what we were experiencing. But, you know, we wouldn't be going through this if God didn't want us to. He does not assign us any burden we cannot bear. Which goes back to the, well... We've talked to this other adult in your life. This other adult is not repentant for their sins. So what we're going to do is cast them out from the church. We're going to call them disfellowshipped. And he doesn't get to speak to other members of the church. No one is to associate with him. But you girls can still go home with that person. And be treated the way that you are being treated. Because. Because that is better. Than. Sorry. That is better than. Being taken out of that situation. And living with someone who doesn't share your spiritual values. And spiritual beliefs. So. That is the kind of world that I grew up in. My trauma was normalized in that I had learned to accept that this was my burden from God to bear. And he gave me this burden to make me a better person. And I needed to live through all of these things to be a better member of the church. And it was okay because this other adult was, you know, going to eventually feel sorry for all that happened. And we could make amends. And this other adult would be welcomed back into the church with open arms. And, you know, you girls will be great because you're still learning the scriptures and you're learning about (laughs) all the things it takes to be an exemplary member of this church. You want to talk about isolation? Being part of a very rigid community and then being a part of that rigid community when the sole provider and the only adult in your life is resp- that is responsible for you can't communicate or talk with other people, it makes it even more isolating. Because we would sit in the back of the room On Sundays, myself and my sister, we talked with other kids. We played with other kids, but we heard what everyone's parents said. 
those girls are fine, but I don't want you going to their house because their adult is disfellowshipped and that makes them a bad person because they're not repentant for their sins. You know, oh, I don't want you talking with those girls anymore because those girls opened up about their abuse and we we don't want our kids learning that. We don't want them to share those traumatic experiences. So not only was I isolated from the general population, but then I became very isolated from members of that community due to my circumstances. So when I was 13, myself and my sister were removed from my adult's custody and placed in state's custody due to the things we were experiencing at home. We moved around a lot, so by the time I got comfortable with anyone to really speak up about what was happening, we would move. So for the first time, from about age age 9, 9 and a half to 10, to age 13, we lived in the same place, hung out with the same people, and talked to, you know, the same school teachers and guidance counselors for three years, almost four. After four years of opening up to all of these other adults about our situation, something finally clicked and I wasn't allowed to go home after school. I was picked up by a complete and total stranger from the Department from Children and Families and uh, went to, thankfully, not a stranger's house. I went to a foster home, a temporary placement, uh, actually with one of the uh, educational instructors, which was awesome because I knew her from school. I knew her son. So it wasn't like walking into a total stranger's house. But then that information got back to individuals in the church, which sent my life on a completely different path than I ever would have imagined. So that, I feel like that moment where I got to experience a somewhat normal teenage life away from the church, where my trauma was not only recognized, but I was encouraged to talk and process through it. I was given freedom to explore who I was and what I wanted in the world outside of Once I turn 18, I have to start dating. The first guy I date, I need to date for at least a year. And after we've been dating a year, he's going to propose to me and we'll get married and have kids. And by 23, I will have three or four kids and all of these other things. I was finally given an opportunity to figure out who I was. This is that first step for me in really discovering my own spirituality and my own definitions of spirituality being that I finally, I finally got to explore. I had the freedom. So for the next, the next few years, uh, a member of our religious, not our, 
a member of that religious organization ended up becoming foster parents solely to foster myself and my sister. Long story short, my sister and I ended up being in two separate foster homes with two different families in the community, and that's totally fine. But these people specifically became foster parents, so I could live and maintain integrity in our religious, in the religious community. It is not my religious community anymore. Sorry. This is a really, this is processing for me just as much as it is sharing about my experience to bring some awareness to this. When I was 14, almost 15, I started living a double life. I was living a life at home and in the religious community that everyone was proud of. I was an exemplary student. I always went and did my obligatory preaching on people's doorsteps, literally knocking on people's doors and knocking (laughs) and like asking them if I can talk to them about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Anyway, and then the other life I lived while I was at school and in secret was a life of me exploring who I was and who I wanted to be. This was also where the sort of very beginnings of uh, people-pleasing started. I so desperately wanted these adults in the community to see me flourish so I could make them happy. and. I also really wanted to please the teachers and the administrators and the guidance counselors who had put so much time and effort into me, into my education, into just making sure that I was okay. And I can't thank those teachers and those administrators and those adults who made sure that I was okay enough because I owe them my life. I really do. So after several years of living a very secret double life and juggling all of that, it all sort of came crashing down around me right before my 18th birthday. Two weeks before I turned 18, the extent of my double life was figured out and it completely unraveled me. It unraveled me to my core. It unraveled all of these relationships with adults in the community that I thought I trusted and that had told me for years that they would never leave me and that No matter what I did, I was still worthy and loved, and I would always be a part of their family. However, when my, you know, double life all of a sudden was brought to the forefront when it was found out, I was immediately, immediately kicked out of this home. I was immediately kicked out of that family that I was told that I was worthy and deserving of. And I was very, very immediately ripped 
from a place that I had worked so hard to get comfortable in, which further isolated me because now I wasn't just isolated from the world around me and lacking normal, air quote, normal experiences, but I isolated myself from an entire community of people. So the process of all of this being found out, I was literally a whole day back in the United States. We had just come back from a class, I say a class trip, from a marine biology trip to Bermuda. Literally just got back, was waiting around for our luggage at the airport, and everything unraveled right in front of me. Everything unraveled. We drove from Burlington, Vermont to Groton. So if you don't know, that's a healthy two-hour, two-hour and 30-minute drive. And we rode home in silence. I went to bed in silence. I didn't leave my bed. I was woken by being thrown a duffel bag and told to pack up what I wanted with that one duffel bag. And I packed up enough stuff for a week. I didn't know what was going on. And when I was dropped off at my respite provider's house, I didn't know that that was the last time I was going to get to see my dogs. I didn't know that that was the last time I was going to get to see those two people. I also didn't know that that was the last time until very recently that I was going to have hope that I really was worthy of a family. That was a very traumatic experience. Point in case, I am now crying. (laughs) So when... I got kicked out of that home and was sent to my respite provider's house. I was not even a, I was about two full weeks away from turning 18, which if you don't know, when you turn 18 in the system, you can choose to sign a contract with whoever you're living with to live there for another full calendar year. You still have to, you know, abide by rules regulations, all sorts of things, and check in with your case manager from Department of Children and Family Services, and you have so many other things to do. So I was a senior in high school, right? This was right before Thanksgiving break, and my whole life just got turned upside down. The entirety of my life got turned upside down. After a healthy day, day and a half, to sort of accept the fact that I was probably never going to see those two adults again and that I was never going to live with them anymore, I started the process of really figuring out who I was and reinventing myself. It wasn't in a way of like, okay, who am I without all of this? It was who am I going to become 
And I really got to step into a part of my life that I kept hidden outside of the church. I got to step into a normal teenage life for a few months in high school. I got to go to the parties. I got to openly have a boyfriend that I wasn't constantly hiding. I got to I got to go to school dances. And I got to meet the love of my life. I met Ethan um three three months. Three no, four months. Oh my gosh. I met Ethan four months after all of this. Had all of this not happened, I would not have met him. So that particular experience of being kicked out was really the catalyst of launching me into figuring out who I was, who I wanted to become. And later on, it would also become what my beliefs were. So I sort of did a whirlwind my senior year of gaining those normal experiences. And I really did kind of hope that I would find my tribe, especially in college. I ended up going to college with one of my best friends from high school, made friends, but still sort of felt like an outsider. I I make friends, air quote friends, very easily. However, I never feel particularly close to them because I'm so used I was so used to for so many years holding people at arm's length. And that was a challenge in trying to find my tribe of people. So through college, because I went to a Catholic college of all things, <laughs> after leaving a Christian religion of rigidity, I went to a Catholic college. Don't ask. I don't really know how that ended up that way, but it did. So I was very, I started to open up to other people about my experiences. I started to share very slowly about my religious experience prior to me leaving the church. And what it left me with was the realization and the appreciation that I wasn't alone in feeling isolated around religion. A lot of my classmates felt very isolated on the topic of religion, which made me feel a little bit more normal. And through the course of school, I in college in particular, I really learned and figured out who I was and where I wanted to be and what I was going to do in my life. Shout out to Dr. Rebecca Thomas for being an absolutely incredible, incredible, incredible mentor to me during this time. Dr. Thomas, I hope this finds you so I can tell you that you were such an influential part of my life. I don't know where I would be without you. Thank you so much for your mentorship because she's the one who told me to do what I loved and do what I believed in and everything else would fall into place for me. 
Dr. Thomas, I absolutely love you. I really hope that, ouch, I find you one day so I can really express to you my immense gratitude for where I am in my life right now. After college, I really started to, I started to struggle with who I was. I started, not who I was, I started to struggle with the image of who I was. Not so much who I was internally. I knew that part of me, but I never felt comfortable in my expression of myself. So I started a health and fitness journey, which has evolved into me learning that the missing piece of my life that I had been searching for with health and fitness related goals was that spiritual piece. That was the piece that was missing. And that was the hole. The hole that I was trying to fill was my need for a spiritual connection. And I tried to fill that need with health and fitness related goals. You know, I lost almost 50 pounds. I started weightlifting, you know, and I was very adamant that the gym was my church. And that was when I feel the most connected to myself. And that is when I feel the most pride. And that was really a a moment where I allowed myself to be open to exploring my spiritual beliefs and sort of defining my own personal type of spirituality. When it came time for me to really explore spirituality, I learned that organized religion was not for me. Organized religion across the board had left such a bad taste in my mouth and it left me feeling very very drained because other people's rigid belief systems were the reason that I had lost a family. They were the reason that I had lost deep personal relationships with people, those rigid belief systems were at the root at the time of a lot of trauma because I, because I had lost a family that I thought I had and a family that I did have for years because of such rigid beliefs was gone, literally ripped from me. And to this day, I have not spoken to them. It's been almost 10 years. Actually, this year, November of 2021, it will have been 10 years since they left me. And while that is incredibly hard to process and to think about, I have forgiven them for the part that they played in my own trauma because 
the reality is they were doing what they thought was best for them. They were making decisions that were best for them at that moment in time. And I'm not going to judge them for that at all ever. So back on track. Liz, come on, get it together. Stop crying. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. Had a little emotional moment as I warned in the beginning of this episode. This is very emotional to me. So I knew organized religion was not for me and I really just wanted something that was flowing, something that felt natural, that wasn't forced and also something where I didn't experience that same like gut instinct, whole body clench of what I had experienced. And I had always been sort of a, I'm going to say woo-woo person, in that I genuinely believed that butterflies were, butterflies were messengers from our loved ones that passed on. And so anytime a butterfly landed on me, I genuinely believed that it was my mom giving me a little head nod saying, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, kiddo. And I'll never remember, I never remember, I will never forget the first time that happened to me. I was working, it was a Friday afternoon, I was at the swimming pool with kids for um, summer program at my old job, and the next morning, I was leaving to California to go see my mother's family for the first time in like 16 years, something ridiculous like that, because I hadn't seen them since I was seven years old, almost eight years old. I hadn't seen them in so many years. So I remember feeling like, what is going to happen when I go see these people? You know, I was terrified because it wasn't just me going. I was bringing Ethan with me. We were taking a whole vacation across country, staying with my mother's family who I immediately panicked. Like, are they going to accept me? Like, what's going to be the vibe here? You know, is this something that's going to go really well? What if they don't what if they don't feel proud of me? You know, what if all of these terrible nightmare scenarios started rolling through my head as these little tiny children who look up to me and loved me were going, Miss Liz, what are you going to do on your vacation? Miss Liz, Miss Liz, Miss Liz. And I had happened to remind them because there was this butterfly was flying around and I didn't think too much of it because I was in the water. Butterflies aren't going to fly near the water especially when there's a bunch of kids and me being the giant child that I am doing cannonballs into the water. But I got out of the water, got changed and was like, guys, look, if you stand still, the butterfly will come to you. And I just stuck my hand out, stuck a finger out. And within 30 seconds of sticking my finger out, this butterfly came and landed on me and it stayed on me. As I was telling these kids about my upcoming vacation and as I was internally panicking about all of the what-if scenarios of if my family didn't love me or if the vacation was going to go well or if I was going to 
you know, feel as connected to them as they did way back then. I had already lost a family a few years earlier, four years earlier. I'd already lost a family and I had lost my mom and I had lost a lot of people in my life. So I really was internally very concerned about losing them too because I had already lost them once when we moved. There was years where I didn't speak to them because I didn't know how to get a hold of them. So this butterfly just stayed on my finger for a solid three minutes and I got to look at it and I felt warm inside and I knew that that was my mom telling me that it was all going to be okay. (laughs) And that is such such a great feeling, you know, knowing that I know that that was my mom telling me that I'm okay and that I was doing what I needed to be doing and that everything would be fine. And then that moment and that trip out to California really became a trip of giving myself permission to practice and experience spirituality without guilt. Because one of the things that children and new individuals in that particular religious group was taught was that all other forms of religion, regardless of how close to the quote-unquote truth they may be, were wrong. They were blasphemous, they were hateful, All of these other groups, especially, you know, those who subscribe to paganism or things of that nature, were damned. You know, they were destined for hell. And especially if we, the members of the church, don't go out and at least offer them the true word of God that only we had. I felt incredibly guilty for exploring my spirituality because that inner fearful voice was taught to be fearful of things that did not meet the same standard of that religious group in terms of spirituality and how we practice and observe religion. So giving myself permission over the course of that trip to open up about the experiences I had while in that group, as well as giving myself permission to explore what spirituality was for me. And learning the difference between exploring my spirituality because I love myself and learning things because I want to, experiencing a spiritual connection with the world around me, And experiencing that with love as opposed to being taught to fear anything that did not subscribe to this one particular definition of religion and religious truth. Allowing myself to experience and explore my spirituality also became about healing my relationship with myself. It became about showing myself that the universe wasn't punishing me. God wasn't punishing me. 
because I wanted to explore things that filled my cup. Many of you know, I have always felt a very strong connection to the moon. Something about it just makes me want to stay awake and watch it from moonrise to moonset. And another fabulous, strong, powerful woman inspired me to do a full moon ritual with her. And I was like, ooh, this sounds kind of cool, sure. And I've always been one of those people who, like, I love the full moon. It's so bright. I kind of just want to, like, reach out and touch it. I love crystals, anything shiny. You know, candles, incense have always been my jam. So when she invited me to do a moon ritual with her, and I got to experience a very grounding spiritual moment where I felt connected to myself. I felt connected to others and I felt connected to the universal energy around me. It was like a big old light bulb went off in my head and all of a sudden I knew exactly what called to me. I knew exactly what filled my cup up. I knew exactly what I wanted to experience with my spirituality. And really what I wanted to experience with my spirituality was ease. I wanted it to be easy. Before, as a member of that religious group, everything felt really hard. I felt a lot of resistance around it because it was next level uncomfortable in terms of constantly turning people down and making yourself so wildly different from your peers on top of just mass isolation. And for the first time, I felt ease around spirituality. And I felt connected to a group of people who didn't know me. I felt welcomed. Nor was anyone pushy. Like when I started exploring this and, you know, joining Facebook groups and really figuring this all out and talking to one of my mentors, Melissa, about it. Shout out, Melissa. Love you. Thank you for being a part of my journey as well. It was a moment in time where I got to experience all of the important parts of spirituality without all of the soul-clench resistance of organized religion for me. Which also cued myself to a very interesting healing point where as I began to explore my spirituality and really what filled my cup up spiritually, it led to a lot of, I need to let go and I need to really exp not express. I need to accept the resistance that I was feeling around my newfound spirituality and I needed to understand that that little voice telling me that what I was doing was wrong, it was different and it makes me weird was false. 
because my definition of spirituality does not change the value that I bring to this world. My definition of spirituality does not make me a good or bad person. And healing that relationship with within myself and coming to understanding and agreement with what feels right and ignoring that my programming from that previous religion saying it was wrong. Learning that I am not wrong for doing things that make me happy. I am not wrong for choosing what I want to experience in my life from a spiritual aspect. Another part of me exploring my own version of spirituality was also coming to terms with forgiving members of that religious community for allowing me to live through the things that I lived through. I get it. I was never one of those people who was like, why? Actually, that's a lie. I wasn't one of those people that was like, why me? Why do I have to experience this? Why am I the one suffering? Why am I the one experiencing this? The reality was, it wasn't that God was, oh, this is a burden for you to bear that's going to make you a better person. It was, this is something that is going to mold you into the light that the world needs. I didn't need to experience those things to be a light in this world, but I did experience them. And in the process of experiencing them, it created a brighter light for me to shine. One of the most important things that I could impart to all of you listening to this is that the importance of taking back your story, the importance of healing that relationship with yourself, and the long road of forgiveness, both forgiving yourself and forgiving others, is really what's going to allow you to have personal peace and it will open other avenues for you in terms of new opportunities, things you can't even begin to imagine now. By embarking on that long road of forgiveness and taking that time to really heal allowed me to reach a point where I felt safe and comfortable and supported in my desire to explore my spirituality. This journey of healing is very unique to us. No one is going to have the same story that I have. No one is going to have the same story that you have. Yes, there are similarities, but our story in the end is what should empower us to 
shine. It's something that should empower us to be better, to do better, to want more. My story, while it might not have been the most glamorous at times, and while it might not have sounded like something directly out of a movie, my story was about the depths of which I needed to heal. The depths of my soul genuinely needed healing. So before I could try to fill up my spiritual cup and really explore the depths of it, I needed to patch the hole in that cup. Because otherwise, no matter what I would have poured in, it all would have come running out. That is the power in each of our stories. I know many individuals who left this community who have processed the loss and the grief and the the hurt that we experienced within the community and then later on for leaving the community. All of our stories are very different, but in the end, all of our stories empowered us in one way or another to be the best version of ourselves. I know of one person in particular who was always very shy, very within herself. Like introvert is a little bit of, like it's almost too delicate of a term to describe how introverted this person really was. The reality is that person was very introverted because she was experiencing atrocious abuse at the hands of her husband. When she left him, when she got the courage to leave him and thus also leaving the community, she flourished into the most amazing human being, the most outspoken, the fiercest advocate. While she didn't have to experience those things to make her a fierce advocate, because she experienced them, there's no one else on this earth that I would rather have advocate for me than her. The, the way the universe works and the way it allows us and gives us opportunities to show up and spread our light and the love we have and provide us opportunities for immense growth and change is something that I will never stop feeling awe-inspired by. It took a long time for me to step into what felt comfortable exploring spiritually, but now that I have stepped into it, it's opened up in part of myself that I allowed trust to flow between my spiritual being and my physical being. Because there's trust there now where there wasn't trust before, I know that as long as I'm trying, as long as I am doing something that feels right to my spiritual self, my physical self is better off for it.
because I trust. It's really amazing, you guys. I'm so honored that I have a platform to share this story and to inspire all of you to explore what feels right. Take the time to heal, build that trust within yourself, and then explore. Find what feels right. Don't force it. The name of the game for me is ease. What feels natural? Where and what am I doing that doesn't feel resistant spiritually? And I finally have found that practice amidst all of my woo-woo stuff between moon rituals, crystals, my tarot deck, things that feel easy and smooth. There's no resistance because I get to explore and use these tools as what feels right to me. I hope that this episode inspired you to go find what feels right to you. And I hope this episode inspires you to heal. Especially if you have healing to do around any sort of religious beliefs. I implore you to heal, to forgive, and to repair that trust between your physical self and your spiritual self. Oh my gosh, that was an episode. I recorded this episode in several different parts in several different sittings because there was so much for me to discuss and there was so much for me to relay. As soon as I felt myself getting a hair too emotional, I stopped recording and I took a step back. This really is me making good on a promise to myself about being more open around my spiritual journey and sharing a very large part of my past that I have not yet shared publicly. I really wanted this episode to be about healing. That's what this end that's what this episode really was about. It was about me healing my relationship with spirituality and with religion so I could explore what felt right to me. If you guys aren't already following me on Instagram and Facebook, go find me. I would love to connect. If you have any questions about my story, my past, if anything comes up for you during this episode, please don't hesitate to shoot me a message. I have no reservations about answering your questions. You can find me on Instagram at Liz Caldwell, C-A-L-D-W-E-L-L, small, S-M-A-L-L. And on Facebook, at Liz Small. And if you're really up for some funny shenanigans and me doing ridiculous things, come find me on TikTok. My username is at Liz Caldwell Small. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Healed and Healthy Podcast. I'll catch you on the flip side.